Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I reside usually on the Erie campus. Today, I am out on the Thornton campus. That means only one thing. We get to sit down with Zach on the Thornton campus today. Why, why would that be the only thing? I was going to say, there's, maybe there's all I'll, kinds of other people who work here. There's so, some incredible, like maybe Dakota Vaughn would like to be on the podcast. I was, as you say, that gives you one thing that I'm probably going to stop and have a Krispy Kreme okay, in between. Perfect. Yeah. And, and to clarify, Dakota does not want to be on the podcast. Yeah, no, like, yeah. Nor should I have Krispy Kreme, but it's always in between here and there. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a food podcast. Usually. And, and with all of the construction on 120th which is atrocious and been going on for so long <laughs> you are sat next to the Krispy Kreme for even longer than yeah. usual so the red sign could actually turn on while you're there that's right <laughs> and then yeah. you could turn right it is it is uh enforcing your your tolerance to temptation all the more yeah Zach it's actually it's it's quit talking about food because we we get so blasted for this <laughs> on the podcast let's talk about the abs okay your season has started? It has not. You got a couple more weeks? So maybe you should stick to talking to food. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue about that. But I know you do. Yeah. They they start, uh, I, I believe it's a, a week from today. We're recording on Wednesday the 4th. Yes. Uh, their first game is the 11th. Sweet. Yeah. Great, man. You got a good hockey season ahead of you. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. We will see what happens. Should, should make playoffs, but... The thing about hockey is they want it to be as fair and even as possible, which yep. means anything can happen, and people get really excited. Any team can make it. Yeah. And the other side is, I don't know, maybe they'll do good, probably, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. All right. Hey, Calvary, thanks for listening into The Weekly. Like always, you can write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com, as well as do me a huge favor. Go to calvarybible.com, click your campus, click the mobile bulletin or the events page, Find out what's happening on your campus here at Calvary. Get connected. Stay connected. Be connected here at Calvary because it is super important for me to see that in you as well as let us know always what you're learning from the weekly, what you're learning from the book of Revelation, and how we best can live together as the people of God. And that is the intro music. It is out. Yeah. And we are here. That's right. We got about two and a half minutes of intro music, always. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big shock to me as a listener of the yeah. weekly, first and foremost, uh, and as someone who perpetually keeps my podcast on one point two speed. Yes, I felt like life was going so slow right there. <laughs> it's like, why is this music so so sped down? I've 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 told you this more than once, but there are times when I say something on the podcast, I'm like, Zach is yelling at me. Or saying, I know the answer, or I remember that book, and here's the author. Yeah, and I told you you're that I don't, I don't like having the personality <laughs> of, all right, I'm listening to Jay. What what mistake is he going to make? And then I'm going to send him angry. Me- yeah, that's exactly no, what I no, want. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's just I know that there's someone smarter in the room listening to this podcast who could fill in the blanks for the blanks I have in life. And that's just you. <laughs> I don't know about that. But then I say that, and then I I, I watch your sermon. You, yeah. you uh, this is this is one of the times where you aren't asking someone about their preach necessarily. Yeah. You get to share your experience of the preach, 
And, and there was a part in there that I was just losing my mind. <laughs> See, it does happen. Yeah. So it, uh, it does th- happen. This one was, and, and I can't believe uh, someone could make this big of an error. Uh, you described uh, food court, London food court, Mexican food as excellent. <laughs> you know what? This mall was pretty incredible. No, incorrect. No, it categorically w- impossible. No, no, categorically it was it was possible. In fact, we ate there twice yeah. in 3 days. Yeah, it was so is, good. This is so wrong. But then uh my my great mercy for you. I did remember you're from Texas yes. and you're used to having <laughs> oh, inedible gosh, garbage <laughs> masquerading as Mexican food and claiming that oh, it's good. Oh, the so, California snobbery. <clears throat> I suppose I suppose I could see why you would like it. You know what that that food that food court and that mall was pretty incredible. In fact, we walked by some stores that have some brand brand names that I had never seen the store yeah. because they're so rich. What you know, mall was it? It was just west of sort of city center mall. It's okay. um past Shepherd. It's at Shepherd's uh, Bush in in London. Cool and. You know, I've seen some great malls, you know. Now, you're going to laugh. I've seen some great malls in California. I've seen some great malls in Texas. Um, around the world, even. And this one was probably the most impressive mall I've ever seen. Nice. Yeah. And the we talked about this. This is why I talked about it this Sunday, is that um, the nations were there, man. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most unique thing I'd took away from London is that and I was I've been in New York City uh London is really the melting pot of the world mm. and you can have the melting pot of the world inside a mall yeah and we like it was pretty incredible it was just sort of all inspiring and fun you know what one of my friends and you'll appreciate this uh in this mall sort of the kiosk in the middle one of them was a shoe washer so you drop off your shoes and they would wash them over the night clean them up and give receive like saran wrap kicks again that were clean nice how cool would that be that's awesome yeah yeah so as a man who likes to wear clean shoes you would appreciate that yeah yeah that's good. But anyways. And, and, and to be very clear, because uh, I recognize I did bring it back to food after you shut that down uh, quite quickly. Uh, and I do want to connect it back to the passage here. You, you were connecting it to the worship that we see uh, in, in Revelation 5 in response to this lion who is the lamb, that people from every tribe... Uh, language, people, and nation are there in response to God. Yep. Yeah, that's a cool, cool memory. Do you know um, that there's a kind of young adult missions conference called Urbana? Yep. That takes place. Is it every three years? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, in Illinois, in Urbana. Yeah. 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 I, I went once. I, I was an intern through kind of like a, a parachurch organization. I was an intern at a church, but we were sponsored by this parachurch organization. They flew us all out there, all 12. Uh, interns of us and it, the focus was on revelation and it's a mm. missions conference and uh, 
we we sang Revelation songs. So, uh, yeah. uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come uh, in kind of a round format uh, in different languages throughout. Wow. It was one of the coolest um, worship experiences that I've had and, and just trying in a very small, insufficient way to mimic what it is that worship looks like in the book of Revelation to, to think of how many barriers there are between people and how uh, difficult it is to have any sort of harmony across cultures, languages, whatever right. it might be that uh, it is in the worship of Jesus, that those things are broken down. It's, oh it's such goodness. a beautiful picture. It is such a beautiful picture. And that another thing, key aspect of revelation that I bumped into this week mm-hmm. more than ever before, because I was preparing probably to preach is the, the use of revelation of fours. Fours are so important. Mm. So we talked about this on the Erie campus about how it sort of like shows the completeness of humanity. Mm. Sort of the the broad that I have the sort of idea that the Lord is on the four corners of humanity. He's fully surrounding it, you know? Yeah. And that was every tribe, language, people, nations. It's just another four. Fourfold, yeah. Yeah. Of humanity. And I can't believe how many times four happens in the book of Revelation. You know, I, I remember 12, you know, that was a sort of a historical one for me in the book of Revelation. Sort of the, I mean, obviously seven. Seven, yeah, 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 yeah obviously. Even in this passage, seven right. shows up multiple times. But four is sort of the like, wow, that's really unique. I, n- I never paid attention to mm-hmm. that as I read it this time. And it's the one that makes the most sense in in our culture, like we have fourfold things to talk about the whole, like if we said, uh, like, uh, send this all out to North, South, East and West. Yeah. Like totally. a, a fourfold construction to say to everywhere, send yeah. it, send it to all places. Uh, that's super interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. It's sort of funny how we sort of, um, we make statements about revelation to discredit or to say it's confusing and then they end up boomeranging, and we we have them like numerology, like the thirteenth floor. You know what I mean? Like that's a, a very, and then there's lots of numbers in Revelation, or the same thing, like fours. We don't do fours in our culture, and then you're like, yeah, we do. You know what I mean? Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. You catch yourself discrediting it, or like, yeah, to keeping it to be kind. Uh, it, when we read this, that's written in a different culture in a different era. Uh, it, it's it's difficult to make yeah. those initial connections of oh this is like that thing that we have it feels different and other and so it's hard to get into it and so to, to yes yeah. uh, I I don't want our instinct to just be you know, to throw our hands up and say it, this is hard and it is hard uh, because we we don't often think like first century Jews who converted to Christianity yeah <laughs> at least I tend not to <laughs> me okay. it's very true. Yeah, that's yeah. very true, Zach. That thanks for that clarification. So we're in chapter five this last week, but yep. we were we it, you can't talk about five without talking about four because they are sort of I made this audacious statement that this is the center of the book. Mm. I don't know only because it makes sense like this is the probably the most important part of why revelation exists. Sure. It's not. We know it's not the center of the book if you break the chapters down and verses, but totally. it, it feels like the center of the book in order for you to understand actually why it was written. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, we're told 
right in the beginning of the book that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So right. we are to expect uh, that it is showing us something about who Jesus is and what he's done. And uh, right here in chapter four, it connects to the letters that are written. It's showing them who their God is, who is able to help them to conquer uh, in the midst of scathing indictments, but also incredible promises. Mm-hmm. Who's the God who can do that? Well, that's chapter four, this majestic God that we have. And then we have this picture of Jesus as this one who's able to approach his throne, who's able to cross this vast sea of glass or crystal or whatever the translation says it is, that he is the only one who's worthy to take the scroll from his hand. Yeah, just he can take the scroll from his hand, yeah. And then the scroll tells us the storyline of the rest of the book. Yeah, let's go into that because he takes a scroll and it's a scroll that is sealed with seven seals. Mm -hmm. What type of language would that make sense to a first century listener can it can i give one other detail that's given so uh if first before we're told about the seven seals it's a scroll written within uh within and on the back yeah so on both sides of it oh that's a Uh, very unique detail to point out yeah yeah so that was unusual at the time because uh, probably talking about papyrus or could be talking about leather um one side of it was smooth and made for writing on right the other side, how it was put together, as you're putting different strips of one thing together, it makes the other side coarse and difficult mm-hmm. to write on. So kind of think of uh, like a T-shirt, how we have one side of the T-shirt that's meant to be projected out to the world. It's smooth. It has uh, screen printing on it, whatever logo we want uh, on it. But the inside is more made for comfort. Right. That when we get that flipped around, we then have screen print rubbing against us. It's not very comfortable. The outside doesn't look as good. And that's now being... So it's really meant to be done in one particular way. Yeah. So a scroll was meant to just be written on one side. The the other side of it was was what was shown as you rolled it up and, and it's really coarse. So the only time that you would really have uh, a scroll written on both sides is when it was containing all there was to say on a topic. Mm. So you weren't trying to keep track of multiple scrolls right. or uh, no one could say this is actually something that's supposed to go with it and, and have it be a later edition. Yeah. I made a joke on Sunday, like uh, they use scrolls a lot for uh, reading of last will and testament. So imagine you're at the reading of a will and, and the person's up there reading it and it's like, and to my beloved relative who I so cherish, who's been such a friend to me throughout life, I leave and then there's this awkward pause and shuffling of papers and they say, oh, we lost the last page. So that concludes the reading of this will. <laughs> and that would be a terrible thing. And yeah, so to, to prevent that, uh, a scroll would be written on both sides. And so the detail's important. It's showing us that uh, all it has to say on a topic is contained within this one scroll. Right. There's no other thing we're looking for, nothing missed or anything. There's like not that. a book two that we missed. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And then sealed with seven seals. So uh, seven is an important number. As we've talked about, this number of perfection. Perfection. Of, um, uh, a little bit of wholeness, but mostly that idea of perfection. Usually attached to divinity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually. Um, so with the sealing of the seals, it's showing that what is contained within the scroll has not been put into place. There's some historical precedent. Uh, there, there were some scrolls that would be sealed with seven seals. But yeah, yeah. my research there, sorry to cut you off. No, you're but, good. But my research there, it seemed like the highest authority, like authoritative scroll in the Roman Empire would have had seven seals, like for the emperor. Like sure. only... 
him or the individual who had his ring could open those. Yeah, exactly right. It, but the importance of it being sealed, though, so that's the importance of the number seven, yeah. uh, which you find throughout the book. The importance of it being sealed is that it has not yet been enacted. Yeah. So again, right. like thinking through a last will and testament, someone could write years in advance, like I am leaving this amount of money to Jay Ewing. And then they roll it up in a scroll and seal it. That would be nice. Yeah, but that money's not yours yet, is yeah. it? No, no not, it, it, not until the seal has been broken right. and the scroll has been read out. So it's it, when a when a seal is broken, it's already been put into place. When a seal is still sealed, we are waiting for what it contains to be enacted, and that's what we find here: the scroll that contains all there is to say on a topic that's yet to be enacted. That they're waiting for one who's worthy to open the scroll. And. Jesus Christ is the one. Only one? Only one. Yep. So that's a really, I, I love where you went with that, Zach. So the visceral response from John himself was he didn't realize Jesus was in the room. I, I, or d- did he realize Jesus was in the room? Or was he, why was he weeping then? Let me ask it that way. Yeah. Why did he weep? So I, I was reading this. So what we find out the scroll contains, as we read the rest of the book, as, as Jesus opens a seal, it, it is uh, judgment and uh, blessing and restoration that comes from it. So it, it, as we said, it's the entire thing. It hasn't yet put, in, put into place. And as Jesus is opening the seals of the scroll, that is God's plan for redemption and, and justice brought onto this world. The entire thing, nothing yeah. to be added, nothing missing from it. And so when John has just written all these letters to these churches, uh, persevere, hang in there, endure, right. conquer. Here are these promises written to you. As, as he sees uh, that this majestic God is right in front of him who's all-powerful but unapproachable. He's too holy, too different to draw near. And now there's this disconnect of here is God's plans for the restoration and justice for all the earth. Who could possibly open it? Open it. No one is found right. in heaven and on earth. No one can possibly do it. It feels like this time of was it just too good to be true? Yeah, is anything going to really happen? And and I, I was making the point that man, we all have times like this where we look at the difficulty that's in this world, where we see pain and sickness and death and suffering around us. When there's natural disasters, these are times where it's hard to hold on to the promises of God. That, it, that we're looking for a sign of God's work, and it's hard to be reminded that God is at work, and it feels like, is it just too good to be true? Yeah. And so we have times where we're looking at, is God going to do his work? Is he going to bring about his plans? Is he going to bring restoration to all things? And in those times, those are times that we weep. We yep. cry out the, the cry that's found throughout the Bible, that's found in chapter 6, yeah. how long, O Lord? And I, I made the point in both actually services that, Weeping in the Bible is a point for you to stop and reflect mm-hmm. and because it is not a wasted emotion in the biblical narratives. Yeah, it's a good. it's a very, it's a signal that something is happening. So when you read people weeping in the Bible, that's, it's a really big indicator. Yeah, it's more that things are wrong in this world rather than we just saw a puppy on a car commercial. Totally, no doubt, no which, doubt. Which there may or may not be weeping in my household when that situation happens. <laughs> So here's the thing with this, though. An elder says to John, weep no more. I, I I picture this elder like just lovingly like, hey, John, you just a hand outstretched, touch him, catch his attention. Hey, there's no more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. someone worthy in this room. Yep. And he points out, this elder points out to the lion of the tri- tribe of Judah and the root of David has conquered. Yeah. Those really heart 
back to some biblical themes that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, I, I would just add one s- small addition to that. So John, and then w- we're told in chapter one that uh, blessed are those who read the, these words. So yeah. we too are blessed by the reading of these words given to John. Yeah. Uh, those of us who cry out, how long, O Lord, who weep in the face of difficulty in this life are given the same encouragement for the same reason. Weep no more because this line of Judah, a line of the tribe of Judah and root of death, uh, David has conquered. He can open the scroll. Yep. And he's um, the one. Yeah, and these are two uh, pro- prophecies, uh, phrases that come from the Old Testament. Genesis 49 gives that uh, that idea of the line of the tribe of Judah. So in this time, uh, uh, Joseph's brothers are being uh, blessed and, and things are being said about what their future will look like. And Judah, who wasn't the firstborn, he wasn't the, right. the most important brother, it is through God's sovereign choice, that, that from that tribe will come this figure. And this person is described as being uh, as, a crouched as a lion, so in like a hunting position, as like a lioness, so who dares rouse him? It's this really like militant type phrase that they are this uh, victorious warrior, like right. a lion, who uh, as it became to uh, be this prophecy about this one who will come, one who will fight on behalf of God's people, right. that, that he uh, will rescue them, that he will um, be able to do this it's incredible really work on their behalf. Yeah. And then um, I, I, get, I I realized as we were reading it right now that I kept uh, making a mistake in, in, in the sermon. So uh, Revelation quotes it as... Uh, um, uh, the root of David. It, this is coming from Isaiah chapter 11, where it is talking about David's family, but mostly from the root of Jesse, David's right. father. And so uh, in Isaiah 11, it's talking about, again, this one who will come, uh, who from will... The stump of Jesse. Exactly right, yeah. Uh, the branch from its roots yeah. shall bear fruit. So this one who will bring this peace and prosperity uh, yep. to the point to where, famous passage, wolf shall dwell with the lamb and leopard shall lie down at the feet of the young goat, that this one who will come, who will bring such peace and prosperity to the people of God, which normally comes after military defeat, especially since he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, uh, which is Isaiah 11, chapter 4. Yep. So in both of these passages, you have this real militant, victorious type figure. Mm. And so John is told, he hears, here is one who's worthy to open the scroll, the line of Judah, the the root of David. The, and so the expectation is, who is, is this conquering hero? Who is this, this incredible military leader? Who is the one who will fight for his people and from that bring, bring peace and prosperity? He hears of that thing, but what he turns and sees is something a little bit different. Yeah, the image of a slain lamb. Yeah, which... Doesn't look like conquering. Doesn't. Doesn't look like strength. Doesn't mm. look like military victory. It looks like weakness and yeah. loss. And, and the reason, uh, the, the last time that we hear about John weeping was because Jesus, who is this uh, this Lamb of God, was slain. Yeah. And now uh, that is the reason why he's told to not weep here. Yeah, totally. And I, I love the connection, the hyperlink, as you might say in modern language, that John saw the f- the first time John the Baptist used that language mm-hmm. with Jesus. He said the young disciples were just starting to gather around Jesus, really, and formatting the first couple of interactions with Jesus, let sure. me put it that way. And John the Baptist says, look, behold the Lamb of God. 
and then speedy ate all this life, all this life John has lived. He's now in this vision in Patmos, and he sees the lamb, but it's different than be, the one that John the Baptist declared out, yeah. which is now he's slain, which doesn't give you the most the greatest comfort if you're looking for a military victory that someone has to be slain. No, but it helps us to understand what's going on that while the expectation is this great military conqueror, it shows us how this conquering is actually done. Totally. Uh, And we just have these, these letters that are written, which is kind of this inverse of conquering. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you will conquer in the midst of all the pain and persecution that you're you're facing as you endure in me. That sure doesn't sound like conquering if right. we're still going through pain and persecution. It's this reversal of what uh, conquering looks like, what we expect versus what is real and actually better than, than our expectation. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Jesus could come and he could conquer by the sword, uh, but it doesn't lead to lasting grace or mercy or knowing him or being known by him. Right. It's the upside down kingdom yeah. type of perspective that we always bump into. Yeah. We always bump into the upside down sort of kingdom thinking. Yeah. It really Good. confronts us. You know what I mean? Like throughout the scriptures. So here's the thing. Like, I mean, you've set up chapter five magnificently, like well done. So what do you think you left behind or what did you think that you wish you had more time to explain when you're trying to do a preach in revelation five yeah so to clarify uh this is the book of revelation where we're leaving behind stuff all (laughs) the time there's there's too many things uh but i i mean i i don't know that there's anything in particular i i I will just focus on like this is the ultimate picture of throughout the book of revelation to where like what we are reading should drive us to worship yeah Um, if nothing else we see that literally written in this passage here jesus is worthy he is the one who can call us to weep no more Uh, we who are can find so many reasons to weep in this life he has enabled us to 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 be told not to weep anymore. What are the results of that? Is there, but responding in, in song yeah. uh, that I think is so, so good. But what I think is really special about these, uh, this chapter in particular is as you're making the case that it's uh, kind of the center the, or the heart of this book. Uh, it helps us to understand all that we'll, we'll find we have yeah. uh, chapters six through 18 have a lot of heavy language, yes, a do. lot of, judgment that there that's there that's hard for us to wrestle around Uh, and i think it's really important that we're given this picture of jesus as this line of the tribe of judah this root of of david this conquering uh hero who who is there to bring about peace and prosperity for his people that he does this uh that he does uh, bring about justice and and restoration in this world but but it is through this uh, this judgment type language yeah and yet he is still the lamb of God mm-hmm. uh, who has been slain, who takes away the sins of the, this, this world. So as we're reading this judgment language, we should have in mind that this is the line of Judah who is fighting on behalf of his people. We'll see in chapter 6 the, the voice of the martyrs crying out, how long until you bring justice? Not because we, we want revenge, but this world is wrong, and we need things to be restored for there to be any sort of morality 
reality in this world. Right. When will you work? And so we need this judgment language as much as we don't like it. Right. Uh, we need this judgment language as the basis of morality. And yet before we get to any judgment language, we have this lamb who was slain. Mm-hmm. That uh, Though there is this deep cost of sin, and we will see the rest of the book show this deep cost of sin, before we see even an ounce of judgment poured out, we are shown that this cost of sin does not need to be ours. Yeah. That has been paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. So good, Zach. So good. You know, one thing that really stuck out to me that I didn't mention on Sunday, because we sort of hit it on chapter four on the Erie campus, was there's a there's a thing sort of like a, the only way I can explain it is like it's gobstopper. You know, gobstopper candy they have the layers of different colors of candy. Yeah. And then in the center is like the really sweet part. Mm-hmm. Well, in Revelation 4, it seems like the center is the lamb. And then each layer outside of there, you got the four living creatures. And then you got mm-hmm. the elders. And then you got the tribes, people, language. You know, it, it's a the vision of who worships Jesus in Revelation 5 is everyone. Yeah. And I think you get heaven and earth pointed at the center of all that is existing. And it's a real litmus test for our faith, right? Because we read this and we can go like, wow, that's cool, and yawn. Or we can read this and go, wow, that's cool, I don't understand it, and put it away. Or we can read this and say, I've got to worship now. Does that make sense? Our our litmus test of like how we respond to reading 5 tells us our view of who God is and Jesus is in some ways that I think is very striking to get your mind around heart and body and soul before you receive the judgments like you're saying. Totally. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting part of chapter five. That's why I call it the sort of the center of the Mm -hmm. book, even though it's not is because your heart has to be in a state of worship to receive the, Chapter six. Yeah. Beyond. Yeah. It, we are given reason to say that he is worthy and the result of which is us praising that he is worthy. And and with that in mind, that helps us to understand what's going on. And after all, this is a, this book is a revelation of Jesus. And here, more than anything else, we have this declaration. And as you're saying, all of creation is worshiping him. This is verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. I don't think anyone's left out in that description. So everything everywhere saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. That's a great place to end here on the weekly. Hey, guys, we're so grateful for you listening to us. So grateful for Zach taking time out, pausing his week, debriefing, chapter five we have some great weeks ahead of us don't miss out if you miss a week here at calvary go back listen to the messages on your campus get ready get your scripture journals if you got them if you don't just open your bible and read ahead get your hearts prepared your minds prepared to ask some really important questions as we read the book of revelation together here at calvary this fall all right love you Talk to you soon and have a great week, the people of Calvary.